God wants us to not be ignorant. Why? Because he says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So people are destroyed not because of necessarily bad things. No, a lot of times people are just destroyed because they're ignorant. So God wants to give instructions. And here in Leviticus, he tells Moses, he says, Moses, I've brought these people out of the nation of Egypt. They were slaves, and now uh, I'm making a nation out of them. But they need some instructions. Come on, how many of y'all know that even though you've been brought out, you've been saved, the Lord's helped you, you still, we all still need instructions. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that feels the need for instructions. But last week and the week before, we started moving along living stones. Or in other words, God told Adam, he said, Adam, I'm putting you in the garden. I've given you a mind that is exceptional. I've given you a body that has no death in it. I've given you my purpose. I've given you a job, an assignment. I've put you in a place. And, and, but he said, you're still missing something. It's not good for you to be alone. In other words, he said even though you are functioning at the highest level possible you can't reach your destiny without people so no matter how good any of us think that we are or we're doing we can't reach the purpose of God in our life without other people helping us and God brings and gathers people to us and he takes our assembly very serious he takes our gathering together some people think well I can just watch TBN well that's dangerous number one uh not everything I'm not even gonna get in there that but we, you got to get together. There's an, a gathering or an assembly that God wants us to have. And I want to show you in the Old Testament what God thought about the assembly or the purpose of getting together. And then also next week I want to look at the New Testament. What happens whenever they got together in Acts? But, but this morning we're going to hit Leviticus. So if you got Leviticus chapter 23... Man, it's going to be good. Leviticus chapter 23 this morning. I'm reading in New Living this morning. I don't always preach out of this, but I did this morning to be up on the screen. Praise God. So, so there's different gatherings here that God's going to give some instructions to Mo. The Lord said to Moses, give the Israelites instructions regarding the Lord's appointed festivals. The day when all of you will be summoned to worship me. You can work six days each week, but on the seventh day, all work must come to a complete stop. It is the Lord's Sabbath, the day of complete rest, a holy day to assemble for worship. It must be observed wherever you live. What about if you go on vacation? There too. And listen, I'll just say this. I, you know, we went on vacation, uh, I guess... Uh, we weren't, whenever we worked for 12 years at our old church, we weren't allowed to miss on Sunday. So if you're going on vacation, you fly out Sunday afternoon and then you're back on Saturday because we worked there. So for 12 years, we didn't miss really Sundays, didn't miss church. Uh, but, but once we uh, didn't work there anymore and we moved down here, uh, we had opportunity to miss church if we wanted to. And I'd never felt that before because if I missed then, I didn't get paid. 
So it was like it wasn't just for Jesus. I love you, Jesus. It was for a paycheck as well, right? So there was two motives there of me not missing. But there have been times since then to where I had the opportunity to miss. Uh, one time we did miss a Sunday in while we were in Alexandria because we went to Hawaii for our anniversary. So I told Elizabeth whenever we got married, I said, uh, if you stick with me, I said, whenever we've been married 10 years, I'm going to bring you to Hawaii for 10 days, and we're going to jump out of an airplane. That's what I told her. Uh, and 10 years to the day, almost, that we got married, we spent our 10-year anniversary over there for 10 days, and we jumped out of an airplane. It was wonderful. It was awesome. So the, I said, I told you. I told you I would do it. I told you I would bring you over here. Well, while we were over there for 10 days, uh, we had the option of not going to church. And I'd never really felt like that. And I kind of almost felt like, man, I work at the church all the time. I'm up there. I work 40 hours a week. And then we got church Sunday night, Monday night, Wednesday night, and then uh, some special event always. So like four or five nights a week, I'm at the church. And now I'm in Hawaii. I'm not going. I never felt like that. I'm not going. I've earned my right not to go. But, you know, the Lord wasn't satisfied with that. That didn't sit well, you know. So by the time that it came around, where were we at? Me and my wife had found us a church, and it wound up being awesome. They kind of meet on the beach in Hawaii. It's really rough. You'd hate it. I mean, the waves are rolling in, and all the things roll up, so you're literally like out on the beach. And they're wearing flip-flops and flowered shirts, man, and they're playing. And it was wonderful. But let me say this. Whenever we moved down here for three months, we didn't have a home church, so we just went and visited churches but one Sunday I said I ain't going I said I want to experience what it's like to miss church on Sunday I want to see what is it like to get up and eat powdered sugar pancakes and watch Tom and Jerry with my children and wear my underdritches and just sit around the house I want to see what it's like so one Sunday living in Lake Charles we just didn't go deuce we didn't go baby Man, I was just like, this is amazing. But by about 5 o'clock, I regretted not going. By about 5 o'clock, I thought, man, I should have went to church. I missed church. I wanted to go to church. I should have gone to church. And all of a sudden, I just lost that luster of what it must be like. And I just found out and determined, you know what? There's something about the presence of God you can't get at the lake. You can't get it in bed. You can't get it on the couch. There's something about him I just can't. I can't, get, I can't get it anywhere else. So I'm happy to report you don't have to worry about me not showing up to work anymore. Not for a paycheck, but just because of him. He's wonderful. And here he gives them some instructions. He says, listen, for six days you can work. Six days, do whatever you want to do, uh, you know, uh, work, take care of your kids, take care of your family. But, but he says on the seventh day, he says, that's my day. And he gives some instructions, and there's three things he really says there. The first thing he says, if you want to write it here, as far as the purpose of the Sabbath on your little paper there. The purpose on the Sabbath, the first thing he says, is he says to worship me. He said the reason that I want this, he says it's a solemn, sacred assembly, he says, I want my people to come together every seven days for the rest of your life. 
And he says, no matter where you live, he says, I don't care if you move, where you move to, he says, for the rest of your life, every seven days, these are my instructions. And my instructions are for you to gather and to assemble to worship me. Now, let me say this. How many of y'all think God knows uh, how uh, uh, you, you work best? God knows how your body works the best. God knows he created your body. He knows mentally what's going to work the best for you. He knows relationships. He understands what's best for your marriage. He knows, baby. He knows how to raise successful babies. And I believe God is giving instructions here, not just you better go to church. No, I believe he's giving instructions. He says, listen, if you want your body, you want your mind, you want your kids, you want your marriage, you want your career, every part of your life you want to work right, this is instructions for you. Every six days, get your mama, your daddy, your cousins, your babies, get everybody together and and worship me. He says the second thing he does is he says it's rest. How many of y'all know it's rest? How many of y'all know it's good to get some rest? Some of y'all really like to work. Workaholics. Some of you not so much. Not saying any names. Some of you, you like to work. You can work a hundred hours a week. But again, God knows what's best for your marriage. God knows what's best for your kids. God knows what's best for your mind and for your body, for you to live the amount of time he said that you can live. God knows. And if we'll follow his instructions, every seven days we get together, we worship, and we rest. And then the other reason is it's assembly. In other words, something happens when we get together that you can't get any other way. Some people think, well, me and Jesus... We're more than a crowd. You're really not. People think, well, well, me and myself and I and the Trinity, that's six. No, it's really not. You can't count. Because God told Adam. How many of y'all think Adam had the perfect relationship with God? Come on, he walked with God in the cool of the day. He hung out with God face to face, the Bible says, as a man talking to a friend. It was God and Adam, and Adam was perfect. And yet God said, you need other people. If it would have worked for anybody to be alone with just God, it would have been Adam. And God said, it doesn't work. You need people. So the purpose of the Sabbath, we, we worship, we rest, and then we assemble. There's power in numbers. Come on, I know sometimes people say, I don't feel like going on. But once you come and once you get around people and you make godly relationships, there's no substitute for it. There's no substitute for people in your life. All right, keep going. The next uh, verse 5 here it says, and he says, and now, or I'm sorry, I've got to go to verse 4. He says, in addition to the Sabbath, the Lord has established festivals. Did y'all say festivals? I just like that. The next few, want the ones here, he calls them festivals. Sometimes we think of church as the great beating or something. Like God says, Moses, get all the people together so I can whip them, so that I can browbeat them, so I can tell them everything that they're doing wrong and how bad they are. No, he says, Moses, I want you to get people together for festivals. Come on, what do you think of whenever you think of festivals? Caramel apples. <laughs> funnel cakes now does that mean we're going to start serving funnel cakes and candied apples you cook them we'll serve them if you cook them 
But no, but the idea here, God is saying, listen, I want you to get my people here not for a drag. He says, no, I want you to get them together to celebrate and to enjoy me. Now, let's see what's the purpose of the first festival. Verse 5, it says, First comes the Lord's Passover, which begins at twilight on the appointed day in early spring. And then the day after the Passover celebration, the festival of unleavened bread begins. He says, This festival, the Lord, uh, the Lord continues for seven days. And during the time of the bread you will eat must be made without yeast. And on the first day of the festival, all the people must stop their regular work and gather for a sacred assembly. Come on, I, mean, I don't think he doesn't take this lightly. In other words, I don't think people just left. I don't think people just didn't show up. I don't think it was like, Ralph ain't coming. Got to go to the tent and get Ralph. He ain't coming again. No, God says, listen, everybody's coming. This is a non-negotiable. If you were here last week, uh, just the definition of church in the, in the Hebrew, I put it in your, little bu- in your bulletin here, it, it means to summon and I've tried to get out of summons before. Have you ever been tried to uh, jury duty? Have y'all tried to get out of that thing? You're not getting out. Unless you know like a judge. Maybe if your daddy's a judge. My daddy's not a judge. He worked on a railroad. So he had zero pull at the courthouse. Maybe if you know, but I tried to get out of that summons. And I had, I had the, the pastor's secretary write a letter, had my mom write a letter, and I called the lady. I said, you know, I can't go. And she says, unless your mom, your dad, your wife, or one of your kids dies, you need to be there. Okay, well, praise Jesus. Well, I guess I'll see you there. I'll see you there. And where was I? I was sitting there. Why? Because I had been summoned. This was a solemn, sacred assembly put forth by the judge. And if I wasn't there, they were going to bench warrant me. But how many of y'all glad that I don't bench warrant y'all? How many of y'all glad I don't get Mike and Big John and say, go get him. Let's bring him in. Bring him in. He ain't come. Got to go get him. Bring him in. No, no, I don't have to do that. But here, I want you to know that God takes it serious. And well, what was the purpose of this one right here? The purpose of this festival was celebrating the blood. That's this whole festival revolved around celebrating the blood. And if you're new to Christianity, sometimes you can think, what's with all the blood? And what's with all of the bloodshed in Christianity? They're always bringing animals and killing them for God. What is that? And then they would wipe out other nations. What's with all of the blood? But every time that they would kill those animals and the blood was shed, it, it, it gave them a, a covering of sin. Or the Bible says that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So whenever they would kill those animals and they would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat, that that God would not see their sin, he would see uh, the blood that was shed, that was slain for them. And here, the Passover, they're celebrating the day that the Bible says that they were brought out of the nation of Israel. And God told Moses, he says, if you'll instruct my people to put blood over the doorpost of their home any person that's underneath that blood when the death angel comes through he won't harm my people so they took hyssop and they put blood over the doorpost of the home and they went inside that home and the bible says that the death angel came through egypt to kill all the firstborn from that nation and but because of the blood was there, they were under that blood. So God told him, he said, for the rest of your life, he says, in the spring, I want you to get together and celebrate the blood, honor the blood. 
I want, I want this to be a part of your life. How many of y'all glad this morning nobody brought a goat? If you would have brought a goat, we'd have checked him at the door. You didn't have to bring, you didn't, nobody brought doves in here. We could have. We actually shot some yesterday, me and Noble. Another story. But none of you were required to bring animals in here. But still, uh, we honor the blood. Listen, we're going to see everything that we see in Leviticus today. We don't have to do this anymore. This is the Old Testament. And yet it was pointing us to our assembly in the New Testament. And I, know, I want you to know that in 2013, God still wants us to get together and assemble. He still wants us to worship Him, to rest ourselves, to get together and build relationships. And He still wants us to honor the blood. But now it's neither with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own precious blood he entered once into the holy place he obtained eternal redemption for us so now we aren't we aren't honoring cow blood no that song that we're singing this morning oh the blood there is a fount drawn from Emmanuel's veins and when the sinner gets under that blood it cleans all his guilty stains come on we still honor the blood of Jesus well the next festival Verse 9, it says, Then the Lord told Moses, He says, Give these instructions to the Israelites. He says, When you arrive in the land I'm giving you, and you harvest your first crops. He says, Bring the priest some grain from the portion of your grain harvest. And on the day after the Sabbath, the priest will lift it up before the Lord so that it may be accepted on your behalf. And that the same day you must sacrifice a year-old lamb with no physical defects as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. A grain offering must, must accompany it consisting of three quarts of choice flour. He don't want bugs in it. Mixed with olive oil. It will be an offering giving to the Lord by fire and it will be very pleasing to him. Along with this sacrifice, you must also offer one quart of wine as a drink offering. Do not eat any bread or roasted grain or fresh kernels on that day until you have brought this offering to God. This is a permanent, everybody say permanent. Permanent law and it must be observed wherever you live. In other words, no matter where they moved, God knew that the day was coming when Jews would spread all over the face of the earth. And he said, this is not just for if you live here. He says, if you move to Asia or Africa, wherever you as a Jew, wherever you live for the rest of your life, he said, I want you to incorporate this festival into your life. What was the purpose of this festival? It was to bring the tithe or it was to bring the first fruits. That, that's what it was. He said, I want this festival for it to be an offering given to me. That's what he said. He said, first purpose here, he says, I want you uh, to celebrate. I want to thank God for what he gives. And then he says, I want you to give back some of it. Now listen, the very first few sentences, he says, God has given you a land. In other words, God says, listen, everywhere you go, it's land that I own. 
and it's land that I've given you. The crops that you grow, they're because of me. The sun that comes up is because of me. The rain that falls is because of me. And for the rest of your life, you're going to enjoy this land. But he says, this festival, I want you to take the first of what I've given you, and I want you to give it back. So the purpose of this festival is just to thank God and say, you know what? Everything I have is because of you. My hands, my fingers, my toes, my ability to see, my ability to talk, my ability to walk. Everything I have that's good, the Bible says, comes from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variable, no shadow of turning. Everything good that you and I have is because of Him. And God says for the rest of your life, He says, I want you to take the first part and I want you to give it to me. So the first purpose of this festival is just to thank God for what He's given us. How many of y'all know on Sundays, the reason that we gather it's just to thank God for what he's done for us and then he said not only don't just thank him with your mouth he says take the first part of what I've given you and give it back to me say yeah but I own it yeah but he says listen the only reason you own it's because of moi so he says I'm expecting you to give the first part back and then he takes it further and he says and I don't want you to give me the raggedy he says I want me I want you to give me the best he said don't give me a one-eyed goat Nobody wants a one-eyed goat, and I don't want a one-eyed goat. Don't give me a three-legged dog. Mandy has a three-legged dog. I thought that I was going to get a rise out of her, but it didn't work. So he says, listen, I don't, he says, give me a lamb that is spotless. Why does he say that? Because God gave us his lamb. The Bible says that there was no sin in Jesus. How many of y'all know Jesus didn't come up with an eye patch? I'm here to save the world. I'm Jesus. I'm ready. No, man, Jesus was flawless and perfect. He was his only begotten son. There was no other one. Only at the name of Jesus, every knee bow, every tongue confess that he's Lord. He's the only one qualified and capable. God didn't give us his worst. He gave us his best. And he expects us. He says, I want you to bring the first and don't bring me a, a rotten flower and, and crippled goats. And he says, no, he says, whenever we get together, we need to give God our best. Say, God, I give you my best praise. I give you my best worship. I give you my best, my best tithe. I give you my best offering. I give you my best because I owe everything to you. If it weren't for you, I may not have eyes and legs and hands and a bank account and live in the nation that I live in. I owe you everything. Well, let's go to the next one. Y'all didn't like that one. Don't get mad at me. The next one, the festival of harvest. This is when all the harvest starts coming in. How many of y'all know what that means? Man, they're partying, man. They're celebrating. Everything is, it's time for them to gather. Can't you just see it? Two million people just starting to celebrate the harvest. He says, from the day after the Sabbath, the day the bundle of grain was lifted up as an offering. Count off seven weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath. Fifty days later, he's kind of specific. And he says, and bring an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves of bread and let it lift it up to the Lord as an offering. These loaves must be baked from three quarts of choice flour that contain yeast. They will be an offering to the Lord for the first of your crops. Along with this bread, present seven one-year-old lambs with no physical defects one bull two rams as burnt offerings to the lord these whole burnt offerings together with the accompanying grain offerings and drink offerings will be given to the lord by fire and will be pleasing to him then you must offer one male goat man it's a lot isn't it it's like goodness gracious 
He says, then you must offer one male goat as a sin offering, two one-year-old male lambs as a peace offering. And then he says, the priest will lift up these offerings before the Lord together with the loaves representing the first of your latter crops. So what's that mean? Well, in, in, over there in that part of the world, they're harvesting every month. In January, they're harvesting almonds. In February, they're harvesting barley. Then they're harvesting wheat. Then they're harvesting their first figs. Then they harvest grapes. They harvest citrus. About every six weeks, they're harvesting something else. So at first fruits, they're given the first part. But then at harvest, they have a whole other harvest that's coming in. I mean, I know different seasons of your life bring forth different things. And God is saying, listen, I know that you did the first fruits festival, and it was awesome. But he says, you got to do it again. And he starts listing everything that he wants them to do. And then he says, well, what's it for? He says, these offerings are holy to the Lord and they belong to the priest. What's that mean? Well, the first first fruits was an offering to God. This one, the harvest one, he says, this is for my house. He says, everything that's brought during the harvest is going to take care of the priest and take care of the house of God. How many of y'all know back then, the priest, they had to keep the oil in the thing. They had to keep the table of showbread. They had to keep, they were responsible for taking care of God's house. And he says, listen, this time, whenever you get together, he says, I want you to take care of the house of God. Everything that's brought, he says, is it's for the priest. It's not even for me. He says, that same day, you must stop all your regular work, gather for a sacred ascent. This is a permanent law for you. It must be observed wherever you live. When you harvest your crops and your land, don't harvest the grain along the edges of your field. Do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor. Everybody say poor. And he says, and for the foreigners living among you. So what's happening here? What's the purpose of the harvest festival? The first purpose of the harvest festival is he says he wants he's celebrating the harvest. Come on, it's a party, man. This is fun. If you're a farmer right now, I was just uh, 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 watching the news that day. Right now, if you're a farmer in the Midwest, it's the best that's ever been in like the history of America because they've gotten rain every day. And they're talking about all the money that these farmers, multimillionaires, are, are, are coming out of. Now, how many of y'all know some years it's not the case? Some years farmers go under. But this year, man, at harvest time, man, things are popping off. And how many of y'all think there's some happy farmers? Woohoo! Woohoo! Pay for my combine. Woohoo! I mean, they're thrilled. They're happy, right? Well, here you're celebrating the harvest, but he said you're not just celebrating. He says, here, he says, you're taking care of my house. And then the last thing is, is he says, you're taking care of the poor. He says, whenever the assembly gets together, he says, there should be a transaction that goes on. He says, you celebrate what God's given you, but he says, also, I want you to take care of my house, and I want you to take care of the poor. This morning, showing you a video of, of, of mercy ships. What's that have to do with? That's just us taking care of the poor. That's us getting together as an assembly. Didn't have to kill any goats, but we still, we get to get together, and we take care of the poor. The festival of trumpets. The Lord said to Moses, and give these instructions to the Israelites. On the appointed day in early autumn, you're to celebrate a day of complete rest. Don't you like all the rest? Man, woohoo! All of your work must stop on that day, and you will call the people to a sacred assembly, the festival of trumpets, and with loud blast from a trumpet. If I say loud. You must do no regular work on the day and said you're to present an offering to the Lord. Now, this one is just a festival of praise. I mean, I know sometimes it's good to get loud. I mean, I know God's not nervous. 
Sometimes we act like, like God's on nervous, like he's sitting up there like, oh God, that octave's too high. No, man, God says, man, let's blow this thing, right? He says, I want you to get a bunch of trumpets together and praise me and blast that thing. Put some 15s on it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Boom, 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 boom. That's, that's our Lord. He says here, he says, listen, the whole purpose of this festival is he says, I want you to get together and just get a little bit loud. There's nothing wrong. Why, what, what is the, what's, what's with the loud? Well, one thing is it's just, it's praising. And it, and it's, it, it, it really, what, it, what happens, you got to understand back then, they lived, there would be the whole nation of Israel and their surrounding nations all the way around them. And whenever they would get out there and blow those trumpets, every nation that could hear them all of a sudden they would just hear the people of God sounding off and getting loud and every other nation knew there's something different about them they serve a different God than we serve and then they would see how God would deliver them everywhere that they went God took care of them and delivered them so sometimes it's good to be loud because you're just saying I'm not ashamed well Come on, sometimes we're quiet because we're ashamed. But sometimes God says, listen, I want you to blow the trumpet in Zion. Y'all remember that song? Any of y'all grew up in church? You know, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sha-na-na-da-da. I don't know all the words. Holy mountain, blow the trumpet in Zion. Y'all know this one? What's wrong with you? Sound the alarm. That's like 1985. I was probably nine whenever we were singing that. And then all the kids would go, Wah! Come on, listen, God wants you to blow the trumpet in Zion. What's the whole purpose of that festival? The the number one purpose of that festival, praise God. The number two purpose of that festival was to proclaim His goodness and His supremacy. And then the third thing is just to not be ashamed. Come on, it's all right just sometimes to just, just let go and say, God, you know what, I don't care what the person on the left of me thinks. You've been that good. You've been that wonderful, that awesome. You're just that good. And man, I'll just, I just love you. I want to honor you, and I'll be loud for you. The, the next one here, the Day of Atonement, I've actually messed up on your paper there. It says the Festival of Atonement, but this is the only one that's not a festival. you got all these festivals, but he says the Day of Atonement. He says this one is different. In other words, this one is not the one where you're blowing trumpets. Let's see what he says about the Day of Atonement. Good night, i got to hurry. The night that the Lord said to Moses, he says, remember that the day of the atonement is celebrated on the ninth day. On that day, you must humble yourselves. Everybody say humble. So this is a different type of assembly. We just came out of a praise assembly. But he says there needs to be times whenever you come and you humble yourself. In other words, the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fear is not like I'm scared of God, but fear is a holy reverence. And he says there needs to be times in your assembly where there's a holy reverence for God. My dad was nice, but there was a time when there was some holy reverence. I mean, I had a daddy like I had. Yes, sir. So I was like, oh, daddy, he, And then there was other times he didn't have to say nothing. He just looked. And you know, holy reverence right there. Well, here he says, listen, in your assembly, in your gatherings, he says there needs to be times when you humble yourself and that you honor him. He says, gather for this sacred assembly, present offerings to the Lord by fire. Don't work during these times. And then he says, and payment will be made for your sins. What's the point of this assembly right here? It's humility. The Bible says pride comes before fall, that there's times when we get in God's presence and all of a sudden we know he's Papa. He's 
the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he says uh, that, that pride, he says, it has no place here. In fact, he goes on and he says, if anybody does not spend that day in humility, he will be cut off from the, hum from the community. What's God saying here? He says, I've dealt with pride before. And he said, I had a really great angel named Lucifer who I had to banish from heaven because he thought more highly of himself than he ought. And he says, I want you to have a day or a time assembly where you in humility, he says, but also he says, this is where you receive forgiveness of sins. I mean, I'm glad you've been forgiven. Come on, he says, humility. The number two reason is for forgiveness of sins. And then number three is just the fear of God. Come on, God, there's nobody like our God, but there also needs to be a respect and an honor. You know, I like to cut up stuff like that, but come on, I know in whom I believe and whom I serve, and uh, he's got the reins to this church and my life. The last one, the festival of shelters. The Lord told Moses, and I'll have to skip down, skip down to verse 40. He says, on the first day, gather fruit from the citrus trees, collect palms, fronds, and other leafy branches and willows that, glow, that grow by the streams. And he says, go before the Lord seven days. You must observe the seven days. But then the next thing is, he says, during the seven-day festival, all of you who are Israelites by birth must live in a shelter for seven days. Verse 43 says, this will remind the next generation of the Israelites and their ancestors that had to live in shelters that I rescued them from the wilderness, from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The last festival here, the last one, he says, this is, this is amazing to me because he says, what I want you to do is I want you to cut down a bunch of branches. And he says, I want you to build a branch hut. And for seven days, I want you to live in this hut. Isn't that fascinating it's like well god what is what's the purpose of the hut he says i want you to take willow trees and citrus trees and palm trees and he says i want you to make a grass hut and for seven days you have to sit and live in that hut this is a solemn assembly a sacred assembly what's the purpose of this festival two things he says i want to remind you of where i brought you from he says, there was a day when you were a slave in Israel and they were whipping you and they were killing you and you were building pyramids and you were making rocks and, and, and they, they, they were taking advantage of you. And then I delivered you out of them. And he says, I gave you a cloud by day to give you uh, coolness and a fire by night to keep you warm. I had quail fly into your midst. I had water come out of a rock. I established your goings. And I don't want you to ever forget where I brought you from. How I many y'all know some part of our assembly it's just us reminding ourselves where God brought us from. That all of us were in the wilderness in a miry pit. And he took us out of the pit. He established our goings. He put us in Christ in the cleft of the rock. And whenever we get together, we just remind ourselves of where he brought us from. But then the last thing he says, not only that, he says it reminds the next generation. Or it shows the next generation the goodness and the power of God. Come on, every time you get together with your, with your little babies, your 6-year-old, your 8-year-old, your 15-year-old, your 19-year-old, they need to see you sitting in that hut. Now, obviously, none of us have to build huts. How many of y'all glad we didn't have to show up with goats, no branches, no flower? We didn't have to come with any of that stuff. But the principles are the same in 2013, and we'll see it in the book of Acts next week. God wants us to assemble he wants us to get together. Why? To honor the blood. Thank God for the blood. To give. 
to take care of his house, to give to worship him, to give to take care of the poor. He wants us to remember the wilderness. He wants us to train the next generation. Listen, every time we get together, it matters. Come on, it matters. It matters It matters to him. Sometimes we don't think it matters, but I'm telling you, it matters to him. He says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren together. That's what it says in the New Testament. He says, don't take for granted your opportunities to get together. Worship him, rest in him, and assemble together with other people. Listen, some of you, the next few months, you're going to have opportunity to miss church. And you're going to hear me. I'm going to come right up out of your belly. Right, I'm just going gonna, gonna to ascend right up into your brain. And all of a sudden, there's going to be about 19 reasons for you not to miss. And even though we aren't in the Old Testament, baby, everything is still the same. He still sees it as solemn, as sacred, and he still wants us to get together and honor him and worship him.